All right. Welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds today. Douglas Pierre. You have D Pierre in parentheses. Oh, nightly and cybersecurity aficionado of sorts. I'll let you talk more about that. But what's cooler and what I'm looking at right now is, which I think is completely appropriate because the show is called Dissecting Popular IT Nerds, and this is quite nerdy, is you on a base in Afghanistan playing Dungeons and Dragons. And for anyone listening, you, you can go to Douglas's uh, LinkedIn profile, and it's like, I don't know, it's not too far back. Go to his posts and find the Dungeons and Dragons. No, 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 no. It's um, under-featured, fourth-featured thing of you playing Dungeons and Dragons in what looks like, I don't know if you guys built it, like the the plywood, what, what do we call this structure that you guys are sitting in? And welcome to the show. Uh, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's, it's pretty awesome how it just popped up out of nowhere, but uh, I'm really happy that you, you got excited about that point because... I thought you were going to talk to me about cybersecurity, and I'm just like, oh, I'm so tired of talking about cybersecurity. Well, I mean, we so, got to yeah. protect it. We got to protect all these figurines, you know, and uh, you know. <laughs> so, anyways, go ahead. We got to protect. We have to protect the world of Dungeons and Dragons. But, but go ahead, fire away. Well, it's getting more popular now, so you know that might be that might be getting true. But uh, is it, is so it more that, popular off in an off the grid fashion, like living off the grid, or is this more online? So. D&D overall is more popular primarily because of the movie that just came out that made it. They did a very good job in the movie from what I heard. And so now that's becoming more D&D is popular. Now everyone knows what D&D is kind of at least. Mm. So ironically, that, I live, ironically, I'm in technology and, and communications and, and I, but I, but outside of work, I, I live pretty much off the grid. I have like removed all TVs from my house and everything. It's, um, I was kind of talking with, and I have eight kids. So I was talking with my kids last night and they were telling me about how back in the day they used to have one person on lookout. They would like pull a TV out. Like there was like one TV still hidden in a closet. We would like plug it in and we would have someone on the lookout for when dad got home. And like, you know, <laughs> anyways, that's a, people Dude, like, eight kids. That is awesome, man. Be like you barbarian, you took the TV out of your house. And I was like, yeah, guess what? My, my kids actually read books now and it's not like the tv even really matters anymore because there's this thing called the internet and all kinds of other stuff going on but um so it really didn't do much but anyways sorry i'm, I'm very uh, i'm a little bit caffeinated i tend to derail things so continue continue um uh, dungeons and dragons in afghanistan is what this show is called cool oh all right so <laughs> that building you're asking about it's basically like one of those uh yeah it's it's, it's a manufactured building they're really the quick to set up kind and pretty flimsy, that kind of thing. It's that kind of building. Um, not very large, had a table in it big enough. So it worked. The, um, so anyways, were you into security back then? I mean, what was, I mean, we don't have to talk about military deployment if you don't want to, because it's, it's a sensitive um, subject for some people. Other people are okay talking about it. Other people, I have a lot of friends that are in the military. I do a lot of jujitsu. So I've got a whole range of people that have had all kinds of experiences. Some people are like, don't ever ask me about it. Other people are okay talking about it. Oh yeah, no, I don't mind. Um, so I was in cybersecurity before it was cool. Back then they used to call us network engineers or sys admins. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've, we always had to secure it. It just wasn't a focus on it. So I've, I'd say about 20 something years or so, I, I detected my first uh, kind of unauthorized I guess, entry into a network that wasn't supposed to be in back in 2000. So I've, I've been kind of in it a bit. Great. Let's talk about that. What happened? Oh, what so you, I used to. What did you detect? How did they get in? Was it via dial-up? <laughs> like what so, was? It? Let me see. 2000. No, it was. So I, I used to work at a research lab for the Air Force, and uh, 
And I was a network engineer at the time. And so I, and, and I was really big into looking at the data. Like I like to sniff, sniff networks and look at packets and figure out yeah. and, and get the story from that. So nice. uh, basically how I solved this one was that I just noticed how there seemed to be an, an IP address I didn't recognize. Uh, and at the time, the method of detecting it, we didn't have all the tools back then like we do now. So the method of detecting it was you looked, you, you understood the baseline of your network because yeah. you worked in it all the time. And then you saw things that were just not normal. Right. And so that's kind of what I detected. I detected, I can't really get too deep into it. It's Air Force stuff, but no, I detected good, but things that weren't normal. Was it someone I noticed using in a packet network. sniffer? Was, was it something like someone using a packet sniffer or something like that? Like also like you, or was it, no, it was different than that. Or, and, and again, if it's. No, if it's, it was more like um, they noticed something coming in uh -huh. and either taking something out or potentially trying to take something out. But it was, it was kind of like how we, we, we are able to see how uh, data loss prevention. It was yes. a data loss prevention, but before it was called that. Basically noticing how uh, someone that had someone that shouldn't have had access to shares had access and was mm -hmm. able to pull things out. That kind of thing. Gotcha. Uh, I, br I brought it up to the, 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 the lead network engineer at the engineers at the time um, who then escalated. And but I was just a, a kind of a grunt at the time. So I didn't really know what was going on. I just saw something weird. So eventually it was just escalated out of my hands and I just never really heard about it afterwards. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, that's when I first noticed that I was like, I think I kind of like this because I'm able to see the story happening in, in all nice. the data that I get. It's no offense to this comment. You're you're kind of a young guy and and a lot of times the people that, and I'm, I'm only i'm bringing this point up for a reason is a lot of people that have been on the show I'd, i'll you know like a lot of the first questions that we ask people is like what was your first computer how did you get into this insanity and you know a lot of people were around before the dawn of the internet that's really not the case with you i'm, I'm assuming that's not the case with you so it's always interesting to get the point of view of someone how did you get started in technology that was born in tech born into technology right when i was born it was 1976 so what did we have back then arpanet you know i mean like it would yeah no one knew anything about um we yep. had you know floppy disks in the 80s we had you know it was a completely different we didn't have cell phones no I, to me that blows my mind it still blows my mind today we did not have we didn't have cell phones we had a bag phone eventually when i was in like fifth grade or something that had to be like installed with like you know lag bolts and stuff into like you know the chevy blazer or something like that yeah so what was it what what got you into this and what what was that because i want to hear the difference i want to hear the difference so i was i was born in 83 and actually i i'm a gamer and i've pretty much been a gamer since i was five uh oh. with nintendo that's what got me into tech in general and then I, I, was I, it NES or was it Super Super? Oh, uh, this is NES, uh, the first right, one. So you're not that. So you're not that young. Okay, eighty three. Oh no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not that young. My wife was eighty one. So okay, you don't. It doesn't count. Okay, so you're back. You're just like everybody else. You've had enough. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in that. <laughs> we, we, we what were at the first computer. So what was your first computer? Was it at least a Pentium or what was it? Like what was it? So my first computer, I can't, I can't remember the name, but I do remember that it required tapes cassette tapes to store nice. and and that's also when i first got into programming it was very actually i think it was basic programming <laughs> but uh but i got into programming when i was around eight or nine and and i i kind of just made little either little games on these monochrome screens or like i made songs i made little sounds happen but okay. uh with, with with programming with this and yeah you had to save it to cassette tapes 
And uh, that wasn't necessarily the the top of the line at the time. Um, I didn't really grow up in an environment where top of the line was a thing. Yeah. So well, I got yeah. the hand-me-downs of the technologies. So that was kind of how I started around eight or nine years old. And then I just pretty much been into tech since then. Nintendo was like a dream back yes. then, NES. People don't, because before that was Atari and they kind of didn't really do too well as a company from my understanding. And when you look back, but but NES, like Nintendo Magazine, Super Nintendo, all that stuff, it just, it went wild. Um, now it's just, it's a totally another world. Um, absolutely insane. So, okay, so moving forward, security now. Yeah. What do you What do you do now? What how, What do you What do you help people with now? So again, the the listener base of this show is typically IT directors, mid market space, maybe five hundred end users, upwards of 10,000 10, end users. What is you know the secure the secure they they probably aren't uh, budgeted for a CISO, which you know, they, but they have to take care of security. What's your top I don't know top five things, or or what should people be looking out for now? So that depends on the industry because some industries are very heavily uh, okay, focused we'll on regulation. Of, yeah, let's stay out of financial then. Let's talk about, let's go, let's, what does the United States do? Manufacturing. Um, we've got manufacturing. Logistics. We've got manufacturing, logistics. We've got mm, healthcare. Healthcare. Uh, you know, That's healthcare, a big one. I think there's a lot of opportunity there because the, to me, they're just behind the, the infrastructure side and you're a network engineer. So, you know, that their infrastructure is probably way behind um, just due to the fact that you've got hospitals and campuses that need to be upgraded. And that's just huge forklifts, right? Yes. You've got crazy and staff and you've got, you know, nurses and doctors and doctors aren't necessarily always prone to technology change. Yes, I'm pigeonholing them. I come from a family of doctors, so I know this. Um, but, <laughs> But go ahead, go fire away. You know, we'll stay away from so, financial industry because then you got SOC one, two, you got all kinds of crazy stuff there. But, yeah, it does get SEC and all that. Look at that. So yeah. healthcare, let's let's focus on the healthcare. Healthcare has a very similar issue to DOD. Is that yeah. there's a lot of legacy systems going on, and that's the big issue they have with with keeping up with cybersecurity. Like all most of the, or not most, I wouldn't say most. A lot of the newer uh, industries or the industries that aren't tied so heavily to very proprietary technology, they're able to be more agile and keep up with the changes and things like that. Healthcare, right. they, can they, just can't go cloud. Just they can go sassy or something. Yes, yes. exactly. They, Healthcare, they thousands of up. machines, machines and, and monitors and crazy stuff. Okay, go. Yeah. And healthcare, they can't do that. They can't just switch like that. The, mm -hmm. the, the uh, systems that healthcare uses, they go through a very extensive process of making sure that they are fit to be used on for human life, to protect human life, to save human lives. So it's a whole, it's very stringent. Same thing with, with some places like the DOD. Uh, DOD does not keep up with the most recent upgrades. They have to stay behind because those are tried and tested in stable systems. So healthcare also has to have very stable systems, which means they can't keep up with the speed My that question they need is, to keep so up. Then the, so then the question is, they don't have the speed to keep up. So are they really safe or is that just a, is this just a mirage? It, it All of it's a mirage. <laughs> Thank you. So <laughs> healthcare, it's, it's all a mirage. Um, the most everyone can do is just keep trying and moving forward and hope that they're not the ones that get targeted. Because right. a lot of what we have in place is primarily if you're not targeted and you're taking care of the low-hanging fruit, the script kitties, uh, the ones who don't actually are who aren't actually targeting. But when when an adversary starts targeting you, especially if it's a nation state, mm -hmm. then there it is a mirage. It's almost trivial to my, bypass most of what's being put in. 
my, when someone my really hospital my sister's hospital got shut down for a week due to a ransomware attack is that is that recent because i think i read is that it was, was that recent? the last year i mean at least within the last six months or something i remember she was like yeah we got we're completely shut down to a ransomware attack i was like did they pay it she was like no they refused to negotiate with like terrorists or something i was like okay i was like Most so that sounds like they were coached yeah yeah uh-huh and 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 that's that's a tricky thing right there paying the there's a whole headache based on just paying ransoms based on cybersecurity insurance uh, the SEC and, and government tells you, no, you shouldn't do it. But then at the same time, it's like, well, I have, I have people that depend on this being live right now. And you're telling me that I shouldn't spend this amount to be able to get going. I'm losing more than this, not spending this amount. Like that's the hard, the hard thing that, uh, healthcare industries and any industries that finance all those, that's the big thing that they have to deal with. And it's, it's hard. Um, it is hard. And there's not even, there's not nearly enough experts out there because experts have to focus on all the industries. All the industries have this problem. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so there's just not enough of us. That's a good, that's a good, well, I would say security or cybersecurity in general is experiencing a exodus. No, not exodus. What's the opposite of exodus? A, um, significant growth of people that all want to be into it that don't know other than I just want to be in cybersecurity. I don't know probably if they have the level of um, expertise or even know where to begin. Uh, But that's, you know, that's a good point for people out there that are in security. Should they just be focusing on a vertical market like healthcare or manufacturing or should they, you know, and should they even be going into security to begin with or will they just, you know, be depressed? So it's, this is a tricky one because yes, there are a whole lot of people trying to get into the industry still and and they're needed. At the same time, it doesn't look like anyone wants to really sacrifice to bring them on because they have to be trained up. And cybersecurity is there are things that people that have never been in cybersecurity, they can come on on and start doing right now and bring in value to the industry. Mm. The problem is is that it doesn't seem like anyone wants to really invest towards bringing them on board to do these types. For instance, like uh, assessments, uh, GRC, you know, gov- governance risk, and I can never remember. Those type of things where it's a lot of uh, checking, checking things, checking for controls, all that stuff. These yep. are perfect avenues for entry level. Great. Policy creation. Policy creation. Now, you do still need an expert at the top to understand the intricacies and how Policy can affect uh, business, and because business must go on. That's well, one thing. Also, you, someone that understand, you need someone that also understands the culture of the actual business that you're talking with, and how yes. things work there too. Because that's an, you know that's a whole nother. How can you inf- how can you influence a company culture is probably a big piece to it. Well, so that that right there, influence company culture. That is not the place. That's not our place in cybersecurity. We have to figure out how do we. Okay, not, not influence necessarily it. influence it. Maybe not influence it, but become it. You need become to, a part of it. Yes, yes, yes. You need to know what the culture is and what you're dealing with. Um, yes, and you're not trying to change bad, it. Bad, negative, somewhere in between. Yeah, because it's not going to. It most likely it probably won't change. Your or yes. won't happen overnight. And yeah, exactly. If you try to come in and change culture, <laughs> you're going to fail. Yes, but what you do is you try to come in, see what their culture is, and then you try to put in cybersecurity everywhere you can that can fit that culture as best as possible. Okay, here's what I see, uh, Mr. CEO. You have a very toxic culture. Um, It is what it is. We uh, need to deal with that. And most likely your employers are not going to give a crap about any of the security stuff. So we need to deal with that. (laughs) So then how we deal with that is 
Okay, then we need to increase our insider risk program. And we also need to increase our data loss prevention because, mm -hmm. because of your toxic culture, you tend to have <laughs> higher increases of turnover, which cause these kind of issues tend to, can happen. You can have someone walk right out with your proprietary information to your competitor. That's an insider risk program. Because of your toxic culture, you need a stronger insider risk program. That's how we do it. We don't that's say very, you need to change your culture. We don't that's do actually that. a very interesting. That's actually a very interesting topic. That would be that would be a. I think that would be a good article to write. You know, um, so you have a toxic culture, but you're making money. How do we? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like now we're going to implement a security program based on that. You know, uh, I think that's probably the reality of a lot of situations, right? It's the eighty. That is. It's the eighty twenty rule. How many? companies have an absolute just i'm just so happy to work here that's why they have lists of like the top whatever companies to work for right because the majority of the companies are just just another job yes um, exactly right which is an interesting thing so com companies don't have the money just to, to spend on security or they don't want to or it's not a biggest budget and i've been kind of arguing this for a while that i think the place for security experts is not working inside a company it might actually be freelancing or doing some of the things what it looks like you do um maybe you have some advice there for people uh actually i, co I completely agree with you uh what i see a lot when they try to look for cybersecurity talent is they try to find someone to come be a part of their team the problem with that is that there's not enough cybersecurity talent to go around as far as the, what they're looking for. There's plenty that want to get in, but yeah. what the what the hiring managers and everyone seem to be looking for are the the ones that are already in and have been doing this for a while. So, uh, the, oh, go ahead, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I just, I mean, I'm just saying, like, there's this mentality. It's a broken. It's an old, an American, maybe maybe Western culture mentality that I've got to get a job. I've got to go to college. I've got to focus on something and now I've got to get a job. And when you get older, like myself, and you know, you 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 sit in an office and record podcasts and you know, decide to move where you want to go or do a podcast somewhere else randomly someday because you just don't want to be in Connecticut at the moment. Um uh, you know what I mean? You realize that, wait a second, and, and you kind of look back, you start to see that there isn't really any security, no pun intended, in having a job even though that that's where everyone says the security is, right? Because what is security? Is it, you know, mental health? Is it happiness? It's like, I need to put food on the table. That can go any, you know, and when you've been in the industry long enough and you've seen every company either sell, get sold, buy another company or, you know, file for chapter 11 or something like that, which is definitely going to happen a lot in the technology space. Yes, it is happening now. Right. You want, I want to tell the younger listeners out there that it's okay to, yeah, if like, like you said earlier, like, you know, focus on something um, small to begin with, whether it was, what, what did we say? Not policy creation. What was your idea? What, what can they, where can they come in and, and, and make a uh, big assessments like uh, doing it, helping with assessments? Yeah. Assessments. So, I mean, I'll do your cybersecurity assessment for, a thousand bucks. Go do five assessments a month or something. I don't know. You know, there's, there's, if you're willing to be bold and kind of creative and kind of go sell yourself, I think it opens up a lot of opportunities. But if you just want yes. a job and you want to clock in and clock out every day and you want everyone to love you and say you're the smartest guy in the world, we have the best security guy. And um, th this is great. Like really the reality is, is like everyone's always replaceable. There might not be budget for it. There's always going to be this. We, even though we battle it and the whole point of this show is to battle the idea that um, security and technology is a cost center. No, it's, it's really not. It is to a kind of, but it's really more of a business force multiplier um, because a, a security breach will bring your business to a 
grinding halt and destroy you. And uh, everything, nothing gets done in the in the company without technology. So I'd, I'd actually I'd like to I'd like to emphasize what you just said there. How it's not just a cost sink. There is a lot of capabilities that can come from cybersecurity talent. That's more than just cybersecurity. Great cybersecurity talent. Some of the best analysts of data. Period. Doesn't have to be cybersecurity data. Just looking at data and being able to understand the story that's going on. Mm. Uh, OSINT doing uh, open source intelligence type of research. Cybersecurity analysts do that very well. Explain Everything that. is online. Okay, so OSINT is o- open source intelligence, where basically you use what is already publicly and and not necessarily readily, but publicly available. Mm-hmm. You use information to come up with. Well, whatever intelligence, you get an understanding of an entity based on what they put publicly online. Okay. So if people get this far listening to this podcast, which I hope they do, this is very important. This might be the most important part of the show. Um, That takes, you need to be able to think outside of the box and take that knowledge that you have or would be able to use if they just listen to you and partner with, say, I don't know, marketing. Yeah. Am I going too far there? You know, no. going too far you to say to that, security, that security can partner and talk with other people inside the business and say, hey, we can we can benefit you here. Did you know that we can give you insight into this? Exactly. Yes. And just to give you the, the marketing crossover, uh, I actually used to do SEO research, search engine optimization. Yep. I got into that because I started liking digital marketing when I realized that digital marketing is this social engineering and I, lo- I like social engineering. So this is, this is how what you do for cybersecurity or what you do in something like marketing, this is how it can cross over and become a talent that you can provide value either it is, way. It is absolutely social engineering, which is, it is inherently depends on, I would say that's another 80, 20 rule inherently evil. <laughs> <laughs> inherently evil and about money you know i mean it's like i can't remember what it was it was like some like some part of like some some massive like you know feminist movement that was started like by a bunch of dudes in their like basement that were you know i mean it was like in in order to make money it had absolutely nothing to do with the cause whatsoever but there was a there was an avenue for social engineering so to speak there yes and social engineering is like the start of all of it uh yeah and i so i started out in coffee at Starbucks. And then like, I freed myself by going to like a Cisco startup and and learning to like, you know, take technology and help small business owners, like, you know, make more money with it. So AKA I was in sales, which I thought was like, and I still to this day do believe nothing happens without someone first making a sale. I, I do believe that it is the heart of America in general to keep the wheels of business turning and, 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 and all this stuff. Right. And then yeah. I went, and then I got into marketing and I was like, this is evil. now i know why everyone hates salespeople because they really hate marketing but it's not it's they don't hate the sales guys because the sales guys are just trying to you know you know help you fill a need and and fix a problem but the marketing people i was like they're going out i because i took a bunch of marketing programs and i was like so they go out and they're like so basically what we do is we interview a bunch of people we take everything that we say and everything that they want all their fears you know like what what is it fud fears uncertainty and desires basically yeah that's not sales that's that's marketing yeah they take everyone's feels uh, fears uncertainty desires whatever right they they go interview a bunch of people they take all that back and then they put that in and then they basically regurgitate that out in their marketing message and people are like whoa how does he know me <laughs> yeah and it's a psycho it's psychology that's what it is it's all psychology it's a psyop the whole thing's a psyop yes 
<laughs> so it, it, yeah, that's what it is. And that's, it's all social engineering. Marketing is just social engineering. That's People all it is. Don't, they don't even know, like really they it's being done to the, it, actually they might even know what's being done to them. Sometimes I know, I'm like, I know what this guy's doing, right? Cause you start to see the patterns after a while. Yeah. I'd say again, 80, 80% of the people don't know the patterns. So, um, anyways, the, um, moving on from that, let's take a break. What, um, do you believe in any, um, or partake in, or think that there might be truth to any, consp any conspiracy theories out there? You can't say aliens hmm. because now that's like, I guess that's like, they're actually telling us that's real now, which makes every, makes me disbelieve all of it. So anyways, go ahead. Well, so let's see. Interesting conspiracy theories. We already know what you did before the internet. You played with figurines on a, on a board and rolled dice. And, and went outside and played, yeah, went outside and played question. a lot too. Yeah, that's my other questions. Like, what did you do prior to the internet? You know, like, yeah, I don't know. Drank from the, I drank from the fire hose. I mean, the 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 garden hose, and I, I shot things with a BB gun that you know, and blew things up with illegal fireworks that we got from like Ohio or something. You know, pretty much uh, pine cone wars. You go find pine cones and throw them at each other. Like, we played outside with each other a lot. Uh, that should happen more, but everyone's so tied to their phones and everything like that. But but yeah, you still want to know about the conspiracy theory. Well, I don't know. Do you have anything? Mm, it's not like li not li so li much lizard, pe lizard people or anything. You know, that one's real wild. So but, um, the way I am, I'm a very efficient person. And I'm, I'm, if, if, if I cannot use information that will help me do what I'm trying to do, uh -huh. uh, for instance, if I'm like trying, if I want to make money uh -huh. or if I want to take care of my family or if I, if it's information that doesn't help me in any of that, I tend to not even really pay attention to it. Like I don't even really watch TV much or, at all. Uh, I'm a gamer, so that's mm -hmm. what I do most of the time. My wife's a gamer, so we game together. So like, mm -hmm. I don't really pay attention to all that stuff that much. Cybersecurity, I pay attention to so much because a lot of people need me to pay attention to it. And so, but if there was if nobody needed cybersecurity, there would be something else I would pay attention to because it brings a lot of value to everyone else. The conspiracy theory thing, getting caught up in that, that would entertain myself, but I can't see me turning that into some kind of value I can bring to everyone else. And so I don't really, I don't really put much effort to thinking about it too much. I can't even remember any conspiracy theories right now. The, um, well, the one that I've been talking about a lot lately, because I went down the dark hole and, uh, and the reason why, and the reason why would be, it, it, and you're right, like, I, I hate wasting time. And I, with, as a guy with eight kids and, and two grandchildren now and, and a podcast and everything, you know, I don't have, I, I definitely don't have any time to waste at all. But if you were to yeah. ask me what, what book sits in the bathroom, like, you know what I mean? It's like the, it's like the Apollo program breakdown, right? So like, I want to know everything. That's a good question. I want to know about everything about how we got to the moon. I want to know everything. I want to know the size of the rockets. I want to know the rocket fuel. I want to know pressure. I want to know all the test sites. I want to know like that we were uh, 50, 50 miles above the uh, rotating, uh, you know, um, around the moon that we had to bring a, a lunar lander 50 miles down to the surface of the moon. How did we do that? How did we practice that? And the more that I look into the details, and this is not just, um, right. Like, I'm not just like, Oh, you know, like not thinking about it. Like I want to know the actual details. I want to, to me, it's mind blowing that NASA lost all of the data. Look, good to like 80% of the data. We, we can't rebuild that rocket. 
We don't have any of it. They just erased the tapes. They just taped over the tapes of the most important thing in all of humankind, all of like the history of mankind. And no backups? None. I mean, it's just mind blowing to me. So then I'm, and what started the whole thing was the picture of um, Richard Nixon making a phone call on basically an analog rotary dial phone. It did have square buttons on it. So I'll give them that. Mm -hmm. Okay. From the White House, from the White House to the moon, the surface of the moon switched via that little like umbrella thing on the Land Rover. And I started, and that was 19, what, 69? ARPANET, I think, was what maybe started that year, maybe a month Mm -hmm. before or something. And I just started thinking latency and jitter and phone calls nowadays and being a tech guy and supposedly AT&T switched the call from the White House to Houston and then they beamed it 220 or 240,000 miles away and back. And I just started thinking, I'm like, wow, that's like crazy interesting. And like, I wonder how else they did everything else. And, you know, and everyone else was like, it's science, Phil, it's science. And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, there's also, there's also politics involved at the time and the Cold War and Vietnam and like all kinds of other things going on and all kinds of other competing reasons in trying to give America hope. And, you know, so I'm just, you know... Uh, I don't want to get myself killed here, but you know, I, I just, you know, that was like, I'm like, maybe these guys are not, you know, maybe, you know, so I bought like every book on the subject and went down the dark hole. Why? Because uh, the truth matters. And, you know, we've been sitting inside a pandemic and everything like that. And you got to be careful there with that one also. Um, so anyways, that's why I asked the question just for... Oh, well, so then now that you... Out of marketing, out of marketing, just for the sake of marketing and to give the show more clicks and likes. That's why I asked the question selfishly. Oh, well, no, <laughs> that's people... cool. Now, now when you gave me that context, now I have a better understanding of... of I have I do have an answer for you. So I've, I've gotten to the, the U.S. Constitution. I'm a big fan of the U.S. Constitution. I think it's one of the, the best design games I've ever seen. Ooh. And this is coming from someone who went to school for game development and game oh, design. I like, it. I like it. And uh, and I think that there is a, a very, I wouldn't say obvious, but there is a point in time where it was pretty much sabotaged and has went downhill since then. Ooh. Does that count in what you're talking about? Sounds very controversial. Well, I... I <laughs> I'm not one to... I I'm believe not one. Go ahead, if go ahead. we should get rid of, of the 16th and 17th amendments and a lot of the issues we have will start writing itself. So a lot of people will say everyone should have a constitution in their pocket. Um, and and everyone, and I guarantee you that you and maybe a handful of other people, maybe the, the fact that the show does have a certain listenership, maybe they have read the constitution. How many people have read the constitution, do you think? Oh, barely anybody. I can't tell you and, what the 16th and 17th amendment are. What are they? So, so the 16th and 17th amendment, the 16th amendment is the one that brings the... It, first of all, they both came around 1912, 1913, and okay. the 16th Amendment is basically what opened the floodgates for federal income tax. And mm-hmm. the 17th Amendment is where they took the senator, the method of choosing senators, uh-huh. and instead of uh, leaving that to the state legislator, they now brought that to the public method, like the House of Representatives. So... So what are you With saying? That, that are you saying that that got rid of representation? Is that what you're saying? No, Real representation? No. So the Constitution, the, the founders, they created it with a very intricate layers of checks and balances. Okay. Whenever the senators, like the way they security, were, like to layer that back to technology, like your security policy program should be with checks and balances. But exactly. Ahead. 
And there's a division of powers and I'm a big fan of division of powers. And I just happen to like dividing powers into threes, just like the, the, uh, the constitution does, but Mm there is, you got to divide the powers because what the founders understood was that, uh, one, the government is a necessity, Mm -hmm. not a big government, but a government is necessity and has a very specific need. And that's generally for the protection from everyone else outside of that. So well, that's, a, that's a security piece. But what about infrastructure? Yes. What about healthcare? What about all these other things? So infrastructure is supposed to be facilitating and building infrastructure to allow the interstate trade and everything like that. But all the domestic stuff should be handled mm-hmm. by the state. It should okay. be coming from the state. And in the instance where what where the laws? state, what about laws? I'm just curious. Just general. Laws. What about the laws? Yeah, the laws of which laws? How should they be formed? Any law? Any law? It should start from the lowest level. It should start to the, lo- the the level that's closest to affecting it. So, for instance, if it's a if it's a thing about international trade, mm-hmm. that should start at the federal level. Mm-hmm. If it's something that's domestic, then that the, the people that are being governed should have a say in how what that is. Okay, when you so bring it up you, to the federal level, you no longer give that say to the people of that state. For a simpleton, because you've got to be simple for the people, because the people are simple. We are we remove those two um, amendments. What happens? So first, to understand what they did when they came in, when when you take away the senators being chosen by the state legislators and make them chosen by the same entity that creates the House of Representatives, you no longer have the same checks and balances in place. Whenever the senators were chosen by the state legislators, the state legislators, they have a particular mission for that state. They are the champions of that state. They would be the ones that are least desired to lose that power to a higher entity. They would be the ones most protective of that power. Okay. Now, that also has bad things in place, which allowed the 17th Amendment to even be brought in. But at the same time, uh, you completely lose those checks and balances. And the thing about the House of Representatives and the people who choose the House of Representatives, which is us, all of us, is that we are very malleable. We are very hot-headed. We have short memories. We need babysitters. That's what the senators were supposed to be. Mm. But now when the senators are also chosen by us, Mm-hmm. they're they're not they're no longer they're no longer the cooler heads that prevail correct they're just longer termed house of representatives so they, that wrote um, the entire thing uh and and just a disclaimer which is um i, I don't participate in, in in any politics i'm i'm literally just having a conversation with you here learning um oh, me I too i don't um if you wanted to ask my real personal belief i believe democracy is broken um, and my main, and my main, my main reason for that is I do believe that the foundation of the people is ignorance. You're ignorant until you have knowledge and the foundation of the people is to seek out their own personal desires. And I believe that if the foundation and the majority of people are ignorant and self selfish, basically, mm-hmm. uh, and you have a representative government based on the majority of the people you are ultimately bound for failure and the unit in, in in reality the u.s is is new we're not we haven't been around for a long time i mean two three hundred years old like what is that yes we're, what is that in the history of time now i'm not gonna new. say i'm not gonna say we're not a um a massive powerhouse that has literally invented everything in the face of the on the face of this earth over the last hundred years I mean, go down the list. Electricity, oh, I know. electricity, light bulb, computer, you know, and it makes us a little bit arrogant. Um, but after traveling around the world and living in many other places, um, 
I've definitely been very relaxed and not as stressed out as I am here. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And that's, I've been all around the world as well. And I, the U.S. has no, there's no other place I'd rather be than the U.S. There's, yes, it does have its issues, but there's no other place like it. Just from the U.S. Constitution, every, everywhere else, they looked at the U.S. Constitution and said, wow, that's cool. And then they started using, taking uh, aspects from it into their own government. The U.S. government is the one that was built from the bottom up, while every other government seemed to come down from, from it was taken away from someone in power that, and was forced to spread out. But it was still coming from the top down, not the U.S. government. So that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a beautiful thing. And the U.S. Constitution, the founders put, I, it, makes, it, it makes me laugh when there's people that think that the U.S. Constitution was built on a whim or that there wasn't like lots of research that go into it. The founders used about a thousand years of, of governance and human human uh, proclivities in making the constitution what no, they reading, made reading was like about, um, yeah when you read um whatever anyone that's like a benjamin franklin fan or or when you actually study and read history because i am i mean I, I did minor in history you're gonna yeah you, you'll quickly realize that that's not the case yeah well and uh so yeah and that's that's about the u.s constitution has been tampered with since 1912 and it caused a whole cascading set of issues in the world of politics and governing since then. Well, this isn't, a Mar- the power this isn't a Marxist socialist socialism uh, show. It could go, we could go down that dark hole for hours. The, um, oh, goodness, how, do no. tie, <laughs> how do we, t- how do we tie this in? How do we tie this back into the, um, maybe what's the end game? What's the end game for you? I like asking that question. Um, like, where do you see yourself? You know, like in, for a lot of technology guys, I don't think they think too much about like, unless you've got a job and you think you're actually going to retire on your 401k, that type of thing. Um, what's your, what should be the end game for a lot of people in technology? Is there, is there one? Well, my end game. Uh, so I say that I do all this technology and stuff as a side job, because my primary job is that I'm a father and husband. So I think that should be the end game. I think that should be the end game for all men is to, to strive. Like the fact that you have eight children, I am extremely impressed and give you kudos because that, that is like, I'm trying to grow up to be like you. I have three children. I was children. the guy that was never going to have kids. You know what I mean? Um, by the hey, way, I was there. I was there. Four, yeah. Three and four kids is hard. Eight kids is just like, you better delegate. Well, yes. It's like, you know, now it's kind of like, they're, where are they right now? I don't know. <laughs> like, like, yeah, they know how to cook and clean and, and, and vacuum and stuff like that. Three kids, you're like, you know, why are you making her bed? And I'm trying to tell them, well, stop making their bed and doing the laundry and stuff. You know, like once you get to eight, you just have to, they, they have to learn. It's amazing. Yes, because yes. Some, of, some people are like, I can't believe your kids know how to do this stuff. Like one guy, my son's uh, 17, but he doesn't act like a 17 year old. One of my sons is 17 and he was driving today. And of course I was like, you trust him driving? I'm like, yeah, I hate driving. I want him driving everywhere. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's like, what are you talking yeah. about? We drove when we were like 15. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. definitely. Um, that's yeah. So a good point. So yeah. For what do we do? to to build a lasting legacy i guess is what i'm saying like, yeah so and the lasting legacy is for is for family and stuff right so at the end of the day yeah some people live breathe and and, and die technology and security you probably have some security guys and that's that's literally their life but um i work to live i don't live to work i heard someone say that once i can't remember but it makes sense <laughs> yeah it makes sense and i thought about that i'm like yeah but i kind of really like what i do as well so I do kind of live to work. I enjoy it. I get rewarded by my work. Uh, yeah, I help a lot of it. people. You got to enjoy it. 
yes and especially in cybersecurity, you do have to enjoy it because it is it, there's a lot is a water hose of information all the time uh the thing about cybersecurity is that you you never really know you're doing a good job because well everyone is under assumed to be compromised so it's like well you might be compromised but you don't know because you didn't see it yeah so it's like well how do i know i'm doing a good job in cybersecurity? someone has to tell you and but but but, i don't know there's all these kpis that come up and they're trying to make what are the metrics for cybersecurity. but the thing is the adversaries don't care about these metrics and they they bypass and walk around whatever metrics that come around so it's Mm -hmm. like cybersecurity is a really it's not it's not a normal field and it's not necessarily easy field. So you do need to find it's enjoyment. Not daily, it's it. not filled with daily high fives and recognition. It's it's not. Correct. It's, it's not. not like, hey, thanks, we didn't get hacked today. Or, hey, thanks, we didn't, you know, get, you know, this happened today. Thanks for making sure nothing happened it, today. You exactly. Know? It's not that. So it's, if you require that, this would not be the place for you. You got to be able to find your own meaning. You have to be able to find your own. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to be able to understand when you're doing well yourself because a lot of times you're not going to have anyone be able to tell you because most a lot of people don't understand cybersecurity themselves when i go into a, a client's environment most most of the time i'm the one at the top and they have no idea if i'm doing a good job or not I, only i can know that and i then i tell them if i'm doing a good job or not that's how it is with cybersecurity you have to kind of understand so let's, leave, let's leave people with like uh, uh, some things that um let's leave people with some things that they can do whether they're in, whether the network admin that also handles security, whether the IT director that's also in charge of security, that people aren't, you know, pumping their hands and saying, "Hey, thanks for, you know, everything working today." Like, I appreciate that. What are some things that they can do that people are like, "Wow," you know, like we, we mentioned the marketing thing earlier, like providing some, you know, reporting. I, I would think reporting would be one. Provide valuable reporting that's that's a showing people like, "Hey, I'm here." That you're raising your hand and you're giving them some valuable info is there some things that that you know of that people can do that may that are might not be typical that um put you in the spotlight more so put you in the spotlight as in being able to get a job within cybersecurity or not necessarily a job maybe just in, even in an existing company or maybe you're maybe you're some sign up consultant and you can provide some sort of insight and asset to a company that's like very very valuable what is that in security you already mentioned like the you know kind of like the data piece like where are there is there anything that people can do that you know of that um that's maybe not typical yes so right now, most people actually probably are not working in offices and doing like white collar work. They're doing the, the work that require people to go out, the retail, like these big industries that are just the fabric of everything we do. Mm-hmm. Right now, you can look at what you're doing. There's some kind of technical aspect to it. I'm pretty sure everyone has, there's computers, there's work computers, even there's one work office computer, but there's, mm-hmm. there's something that is not being looked at. There's not being paid attention to concerning security of your company. It could be as simple as, hey, we have I found this checklist of things that we should look at for our cybersecurity. Uh do you mind if I if I like would you be okay if I ran this through because this is it would help us because like there's been an uptick in our industry being fish, phishing emails. So I think if we if we do these things, it would help us. Like something like that. You can it doesn't matter what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. You can find a way to help your your organization out with their cybersecurity. It can take a simple Google out there and look for cybersecurity awareness training. That's a big one right there is who's going to do the cybersecurity awareness training. If all the experts are doing the expert things like the the, the, the high-end architecting and stuff like that, and that we can't get enough entry-level cybersecurity people in, 
who's doing the cybersecurity awareness training for their companies. And that's a good point for anyone that's looking to even grow inside a company. Maybe they're, I don't know, maybe they're the help desk or something. Yes. Help offer desk. to offer to do that. Yes. Like it's this, something uh, fresh. It's something fresh and new that you might not have done that it gives you the opportunity to connect with people and do some things that some other people that might be um a little more introvert. It's like getting out of your comfort zone and having to connect yes. and talk with people. That's something that I had to learn to do a long time ago. I used to be the guy in high school that walked with his head down and, and couldn't talk to anyone and was like absolutely terrified of girls and all that type of stuff. So yeah, got to get over um, that. Yeah, get out of that comfort zone and and um, that's really helpful. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's the big one. That's the big one. I think you can be, be impactful right now for everybody that's looking to try to get in cybersecurity. Because I see a lot of people going the what you would think the typical route, they're going to school, getting masters in cybersecurity or mm -hmm. things like that. Yes, those can help. But if you come, if, if you have actual experience in it, something that always trumps. You said you like efficiency. You said you like efficiency. So let's end with this. What's the fastest path to, um, I guess, the cash, I guess, for anyone that's looking to get a, for anyone that's young, that's looking to get a job in security or do something there. What's the fastest path? I, I, I can't imagine the fastest path is spending money on certification, on certificates and getting a master's degree. What's the fastest path? The fastest path for a young person is to don't even think about the cash. Don't think about the cash. <laughs> think about solving someone's problem. Try to do the, don't, don't think about like, I want to do the thing I want to do. Look at the things that everyone else doesn't want to do and say, Hey, let me do yep. that. Yep. And then you, you're a shoe in there in this age of what they call quotation, quiet quitting and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's even easier to make yourself stand I've, out. You just do I've, the opposite of what everyone else is being told to do. I've told people that every day, be willing to do what other people are unwilling to do. And that's it. I, that I have done that. I've done that very thing since for uh, two decades, two and a half decades now, where I just, I just grabbed the thing that was, I, can, I know I can do and nobody else wanted to do. And it has served me and helped me out in ways I didn't even realize until like a decade or so later. I have mm. a reputation out there that I didn't even realize I built because of the work ethic I had. Mm. So now if I come to someone and say, hey, and you got anything going on, people are comfortable with, oh yeah, because people like to give other people good people. They like to help people. So mm. if, 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 if you're a, someone that is known being good at what you do, being even a hard worker, mm -hmm. being a consistent worker. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're known as that, you mm -hmm. will get passed around in the, uh, in the, in the, in their circles where all the real jobs are being. Yes. Any, if you're anyone that's willing to work hard and, and do more than what the average person has done, like it's, it, there's some very simple things to do in life. Hey, be willing to do yes. what other people are unwilling to do, do 10% more than the, the top person. And you'll be number one. Um, yes. and find the person. In every environment or most environments, there is there is the top dog. They're not mm -hmm. like the manager. There's someone the manager goes to in mm -hmm. order to make things happen. Yep. Become their best friend. Yep. Fix whatever issues they have. Help them out. Uh -huh. Be helpful to them. They are going to be the one that will pass on things that you can use in the next. Yes. Mr. Douglas Pierre, thank you so much for being on Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. It has been a pleasure having you on the show. And, Likewise. Um, yeah. Uh, outstanding. And uh, all the best to you now and in the future. Yes. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. This is so impromptu and I loved it. So, <laughs> oh, nightly out. <laughs>